You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 6, Episode 12. Carissa, how's it going today? It's going pretty great today. The sun is shining here. Uh, my family are all out of the house, at least the human family members. So hopefully we'll have a nice quiet take today. Um, and one of us just had a birthday and it wasn't me. Oh, that's right. I'm like half a century now. Holy moly. That's a lot. That's a yeah, lot of years. How did that happen? My guess would be uh, you just kept getting older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With <laughs> without dying along the way, so yes, we, for which we are grateful. Yes, <laughs> going to take a dark turn if we're not careful. Did you have a great birthday? I, I did have a great birthday. Um, I, I <laughs> I'm sworn to secrecy about some aspects of it, but yes, it was a wonderful day. So, all right. Well, um, maybe off the air then. Uh, we'll talk mm-hmm. later. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's not that interesting of a secret, but. Um, <laughs> On the off chance that somebody who knows the situation would be listening. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair so enough. That, that that seems tantalizing, but trust me, it really isn't. <laughs> um, so no, but it, it it is weird because this was, this is a stage in my life that I had never envisioned. I mean, part of it is the whole second career thing and you know i didn't i did not have this burning desire to go into ministry uh, when i was in my 20s or my teens or whatever you know this is uh i first started to realize the sense of call a little over 10 years ago and uh now <clears throat> you know i'm i'm in ministry i've been ordained for six years and because of the pandemic it feels more like 16 but <laughs> or 60. Um, something like that uh you know the period of exile or something um but yeah this is something i had never envisioned and uh i will i will admit that um Part of part of sensing the call was tied in with my own faith journey and going back to church after being away for a long time. And I, I had this idea 10, 12 years ago that, oh, I'm going back to church. I bet there are other 30-somethings and 40-somethings who are just going back to church and uh, I, I am really well positioned to meet those people who are coming back to church and welcome them in. And boy, everything went sideways. Uh, everything is completely different than what I had imagined the future would be. And in the midst of all that, here we are in the church where the present does not match up with the future that people dreamed of 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And yet we find ourselves clinging to structures that perhaps don't serve us so well. Um, but instead of me getting on a soapbox about this for half an hour, <laughs> maybe we've got somebody else who can assist in this conversation. 
Yeah, uh, we have a guest today who uh, I'm sure is going to be happy to hop on the soapbox with us. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask our, our guest to go ahead and introduce himself. Yes, it is uh, uh, such a pleasure to be with both of you. Uh, my name is Ralph Lowe. I am the director of Justice Ministries for the Pittsburgh Presbyterian. And again, I am just honored to be with both you, Alan, and Carissa and in this conversation that in some fashion or another I've had over the past year, longer two months since, you know, different capacities with different individuals. So it, it's nice to come to to a stage where we can kind of hash it out a little bit. So, so thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, welcome. We're, we're glad to have as many different voices as we can in this conversation. Um, we've, we've both, uh, Carissa and I have both reached out to our colleagues in our various doctoral programs. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't wait to hear, uh, what you would do if you could blow up the church or if you could wave a magic wand or whatever. So have at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, it is, it is interesting to even have these conversations because I, I, let me take a step back. What I really love is the, uh, idolatry talk and, and the idols that you guys um, bring up, because I think one of the main things that really get in the way of, of church itself is, is the, the, the individualism that, that just creeps up each and every time we're in conversation about anything, not just to church, anything. And, and, and how that facilitates just this notion of, I perceive it this way, so it shall be. I perceive it this way, so it shall be. And it just gets in the way, of, 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 in my opinion, of, of church. And, and you know, I, whenever I have had conversations with uh, Pastor Carissa, and we, we've had a few just about justice and things of that nature, and um, when she presented me coming on with the, with the two of you, uh, she asked me just to think about it a little bit. And I couldn't help but think about, you know, Luke Acts, right, in, 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 the, in the beginning of the church and, and, and how it facilitated itself. And, and I think, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, you know, we go through Luke Acts and we hear this individualism come forth. Two things, individualism and transformation, right? We hear the transformation of Paul. We hear the transformation of a few other individuals. But but the end message is, is is that's great. There's individualism. There's individual transformation. But it's the church that's being transformed through Luke Acts, right? And that transformation happens. There's a movement from this, this individualism to community. And the first thing I want to say is, whatever we do in blowing up the church, it needs to start with a focus on community. Whatever we do. So, so we can talk about the things that, you know, we don't like today and there's plenty of things we don't like, but in order to do that, if, if we're really blowing up things, it needs to, it, it we, we really need to start with community. Uh, I'm going to pause cause I'm a justice person and I like to talk a lot <laughs> and get your thoughts on that. And then, and then I have a few others that, that I want to share as well. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree. Um, the the flip side, um, it, individualism seems great on some levels, mm-hmm. but the flip side of individualism is isolation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. isolation takes you out of relationship. 
isolation uh, can lead to fear and anxiety. And uh, it is very difficult to replant community with people who are isolated. Uh, Isolation is something that serves a lot of our larger idolatries in the society. Uh, The isolated consumer is easier to sell to Uh than the community of people who uh, might hear a pitch and think about it and talk about it amongst themselves. And, uh, but if I am sitting alone on my couch and somebody comes on the TV and says, you're afraid, Uh you're afraid, I'm afraid Buy this thing and Uh you will be less afraid. Turns out buying the thing doesn't actually make me less afraid, but (laughs) uh, it sells the thing, which Mm -hmm. is what the person who bought the commercial wants. And and I continue to worship the idol by being alone and consuming. And I I think, too, to even take that a step further, theologically speaking, um, when we individualize our lives and our church and our reason for church um then we wind up with a tiny transactional jesus and that is not the savior that we see in the pages of scripture right um we see someone who came to redeem everything not just one individual person um you know it's it's not the fire insurance christianity and i'll spare our listeners another rant on um what i think billy graham did to american christianity but Mm. i don't know that 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 brand of of christianity did us a whole lot of favors um theologically or pragmatically so i i would agree and i'm sure you're not either of you are not shocked by this at all that yeah community has got to be the basis yeah yeah and 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 it's of course you know you use the word transactional and you know as you're you're listeners don't know this but i am i'm because they can't see me but i'm a black man and you know i i I think a lot about struggle in 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 the world in you know um there is this sense of you know when when is the struggle over when when is that opportunity for that struggle to be to to not exist and what i find through scripture right what i find through early church is there, there really isn't an end to that struggle. There isn't an end to that fight for, and you, and you fill in the blank. And, and we, and uh, Pastor Chris, you used the term, you know, transactional. You know, there's an opportunity for us in this capitalist society, you know, which we all benefit from, to, to, to view our, our spirituality, our, our church is transactional. You know, we to, to, to come to an end at some point. If we, if we do this, then I get this. Right. Because that's how society is set up. Right. If I do this, then I'll get this. And if we are foundational in community, if it is the life we live, you know, I, you know, Matthew 20, I'll give you an example through scripture. Matthew 25 hits me differently when I'm 15, when I'm 20, you know, when I'm 30, when I'm 40. And Alan, you just celebrated a birthday. I'll be 50 next year. Uh, Okay. So so that hits me differently now than it does, you know. But if I continue to think that, you know, there is this struggle, there's this this aspiration of the end of a struggle or there's this tr- transactional uh, church that I'm supposed to be a, belong to. 
I will, I will never arrive at the place where I am still being changed and transformed through scripture, through relationship, through community. And I think that's lost. And I, and I know we're, we're kind of leading into what's missing today. So, so I'm, I'm, I'll bring myself back to what I would change and what I would do. The first thing I would do if I blew up the church, the first thing I would do is start in the home an actual, mm-hmm. the home of each and every individual practicing believers you know, uh, an invocation of life, you know, in, entering into the relationship each and every day through 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 your home. So what does that mean? What, what does that even look like? Right. So you, you wake up, you know, thankful and worshiping God. Um, it means a lot of, of family meals, you know, where we sit around together and, you know, I envision, you know, scripture. I envision I, I, I know this happens in your household, Pastor Carissa, a lot of music, a lot of singing. <laughs> A lot of worshiping, you know, in, in the home where, where you know, what will be transform, transformative. It'll be fundamental. It'll be foundational. Um, it's easy for us to move away from that if it's not foundational, if, if it's not in the home. Does, does that resonate with the two of you? I, I just yeah. I think because we've gotten away a little bit and, and society allows this and, and I'm part of that, too. I know what my household is because we've gotten away from that a lot. When we get into um, society, when we get outside our own homes, that that individualism, that you know, me first attitude just filters in in every aura of our being, and and we just forget. I, I, I don't know. Does that does that resonate with the two of you at all? It sure does. And I know that both of you, because you've both been in my my house before, know that one of the first rules in my house is, if you've been here before, you don't have to knock. <laughs> When you come mm. in, um, as long as we're mm. expecting you, right? Don't just show up at 3 a.m. and waltz in. That might be weird. But if we know you're coming, you don't have to knock. You know, our door is open. Mm-hmm. And um, I, and so I would absolutely agree with you. I think that if we want to build community and we want to build hospitality and we want to build um, community bonds with one another and with our friends and our neighbors and our, our fellow churchgoers, it does. It starts with how you roll on a daily basis, right? Because you can um, have a congregation that proclaims that they are welcoming and hospitable, but then they're all siloed up in their homes yes. and yes. lock and tight their doors and don't know any of their neighbors and yes. their community. And that that's problematic because that's a disconnect between the way that you say you want to be on Sunday morning and the way that you be the rest of the week. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think too, that, that whole, um, that cloistering, it can even happen among church members, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that, Church is a club that meets on Sunday morning. So you go, you say hello to a few people, but uh, it's not a deep sharing outside of 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I have, every, every congregation has its own culture, but every region also has its own culture. And uh, I am finding here in Jersey that <clears throat> there is less of a common culture. Um, and I don't know how much of that is the peculiar culture of my congregation or if it is that people here just relate to one another differently than they do in Western Pennsylvania. But yeah, sometimes, <laughs> uh, sometimes that, lack of connection uh is is 
equally present inside our walls as outside of our walls, mm-hmm. meaning the walls of the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and we, we get so <laughs> here's, here's another point I want to make. So we talk about the four walls of the church and what happens inside the church and what happens outside the church. And what I love about the two of you that I know specifically is, you know, the, the actionable love that is presented through your love and because you're believers and, and that's, that's part of who you are as part of your, your spirituality, it's part of your faith. And you embrace that and you, and you act upon that. I think sometimes, and this is what I would also include, in, in the in the uh, in the blend of the church and something that we don't do it often enough is the loudest people we hear about, you know that individualism that 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 drives those individuals to say this is wrong and this is right and you're wrong and you're right and they, they are really really loud. I think sometimes we get a because they're so loud and they're so off-putting, we get afraid to proclaim why we are doing the things we do, saying the things we say, why we live our faith. So another thing I would change is to, to, to make sure that when we have an opportunity to proclaim our love of Christ, to proclaim why we're, you know, in this community, why we're out living Matthew 25, why we are is is to say it and say it loudly. I think I've experienced this because we, we get so turned off at the negative, um, the, the polarization of those individuals who are just so individualistic, who who, who are ready to scream to the rooftops how you're a sinner and you're not and and mm-hmm. what you believe is wrong, what I believe is right, that we forget that we need to be the opposite voice. So that so so part of the church, part of the new church, quote unquote, that I'll say, it we need to we need to get back to that. You know, in, in Luke Acts, you know, that's what you heard about. You heard about the the, the proclamation of, of Christ, but it, but in the transformation, in the conversion of individuals, as well as the conversion of the church. And I think we lose that sometimes when we get in, because we're afraid to be that voice that turns people off. You know, we're so afraid not to reach the, 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 the nons as we, as we call them. And, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how simpler to say that. Alan, I know you're, I, you're I, I think, to say something. Yeah. I think you are very much onto something there. Um, we something happened when we became the institutional american church mm. and we we farmed out the work of being the church to the professional staff of yes. the church yep. and yes. we stopped equipping our people for public witness mm. and so a couple of things happened one regular everyday folk do not really know well how to share their stories, mm-hmm. how to share their lives of faith. And two, we in the mainstream, mainline church, we in the more progressive ends of the church, uh, we ceded the whole stage mm-hmm. to the loudest, angriest voices yes. from the conservative evangelical community. We gave them not the high ground. We gave them all the ground, all the ground. Yes. And we don't know how to reclaim that space. Mm. And so my, um, my intelligent friends who were raised outside of the church or 
inside the church and left it in their teens and twenties, as I did myself, uh, they can't even hear anything we say, even when it's not crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's because we fell down yeah. on the job and uh, we were, we meaning the, the capital C church, we were so happy with all of the, all of the butts in the pews and all of the mm-hmm. kids in the Sunday school programs and every other program that we ran, uh, you know, that as long as the offerings were coming in, we didn't need to re-examine what we were doing. Yeah. And, and now we find ourselves in a world where we are very much out of step, uh, where we are very, the church is very much out of step with the broader culture. And, uh, we don't have we don't have a clear sense of direction mm-hmm. we are yearning for what church used to look like and we don't even understand why it used to look like that mm. that is so true that uh, pastor chris I, don't, I wasn't sure if you wanted to add to that or cuz I... I i mean that i just agree um with that the the church has lost its way and um yeah we we spent so much time and you know a lot of times people will say oh we're we're going we're going to be countercultural and use that as a way to spout theology that is dangerous or hurtful to other people mm-hmm. but then it is justified by saying well the bible is countercultural mm-hmm. um, but that's not being countercultural that's playing into the divisiveness of, right. of the world around us um you know truly being countercultural is um it looks very different than siloing yourselves and pointing fingers at the rest of the world mm. yeah and and you know, so, so again, so I know we, we, it's easy. We, we can leak into what, what we don't like right now, the church. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and so just, just to, for me to come back to what, if, if we were to blow it up and what I would change out foundationally, that happens again in community it mm-hmm. starts at home, understanding, not being afraid to, to proclaim your, that faith uh, in a way that is, um, that is evolving and changing just like the church did in Luke Acts, and it can and it continued on from there and, and through the epistles, right? So, so, so I, I think part of that needs to be the, the acknowledgement that it, it is an evolution. You know, we we are not Christ, right? Um, Christ is the example. So, so with with Christ as the example for the church, again, it it, it needs to be an evolution. You know, um, so that's, that's just another the second thing I think I would I would love to change. Um, Another thing, and I talked about this a little bit earlier on, is, you know, I I, I grew up um, in a Baptist church. Uh, I, I love that foundation, and one of the things that um, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it, <laughs> I really miss <laughs> about my worship experience is the music, the singing, mm-hmm. the dancing, the worshiping in the community. Um, as as an example, as as an affirmation uh, of our love and, and faith, um, you know, we relied on language so much that we've forgotten that you know part of our history, part of who we are in our faith, 
is grounded in song. It's grounded in music. And if and if we could find a way, if we pull up the church to get back to that, right? To understand that it's okay to lament through song, like the psalmist, right? You, you, you can do that, you know, an expression of your faith in a way that is not just this, this you know, I, I, um, um, Pastor Allen, you, you talked about this platform that the, the, the Christian evangelicals have, you know, another, another way to counteract that is, is, is to have another language, another language to mm. speak that speaks into the community in a way that just just isn't present right now i think in my opinion it's, it's not present um it, it is for me it was inspiring um and understanding you know just the the message of, of song and in 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 music and, and how important and integral it was in faith is something i think we, we really really need to get back to uh, I don't, I, you know, contemporary is the word we use, and sometimes, that, and sometimes people are like, "Oh, you know," but but I, I do think there is value in that that value that needs to be a a a, a tradition and foundation in the new quote unquote new church. Yeah, I, I don't know. But what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, a you're literally preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard my rant about using the word contemporary in regards to worship. I I have not. Um, but we'll, we'll save that for, for coffee on my porch someday. Um, I actually wrote an entire master's thesis on it. I love Um, it. I love it. (laughs) But, but I agree. Like we need a a more well-rounded, um, and that's really my argument, right? We, it's, yeah. If we just go um, it, buy into this worship wars, traditional versus mm. contemporary, mm. how much other music are we missing out on, right. right? Because that's that right. doesn't, ca- <laughs> you know, are you lumping gospel in with contemporary? Because you you shouldn't. And also contemporary Christian music is like, makes me think of Maranatha from the 80s and it's come a long <laughs> way, baby. And so, you know, there's like all these elements. So I'm absolutely with you on this. Like, yes. There's so much that we can proclaim in music. Um, yes. and I actually do that a lot in my sermons for anyone who's um, heard me preach live or has listened to my my sermons online, um, which I think you can do through, through our Soft Idolatry website. I think that Alan and I both have our links up there, but I often will break out into song in a sermon or end it with a piece of music because it does... Um, it triggers a different part of our brain than, than spoken word does. And it gets into our being in a very different way. And we lose that celebratory part of the music. I think in so many congregations, it's become part of the obligatory liturgy and it's not a celebration or a lament or Mm -hmm. an expression of Thanksgiving. It is just because this is when you sing the doxology and nobody actually knows what doxology means. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that, Pastor Krista, because it is, it is, it is something that, you know, I, early on, you know, I, I, I will give credit to, you know, um, my reformed faith because it, it, it really helped me and, and really shaped me spiritually, um, as an adult, um, um, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll be that person that says sometimes we, you know, someone someone once asked me, isn't that the, the thing that you went, they called it, right, the, 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 
the church you joined. Isn't that the frozen chosen? Isn't that what they call that? Those, those, those <laughs> you know, I had never heard it before. Um, um, so it was, it was striking to me, but I, I do think if, if the, the new church needs to, to understand what, what song, what, what music means to, to faith and how it can be expressed that I would be high on one of the things that I would bring forth. Um, very, very high. Um, so, so I, I have to, to tell you as an aside, uh, when I was in seminary, I got to do a, um, a, a mission study trip to the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm. And we worshipped uh, at a Mexican Presbyterian church one Sunday mm. morning mm. that had, you know, keyboards, electric guitar, drums, and bass. And the people still didn't sing the hymns with with verve. It was another language and culture, and it was still the Frozen Chosen. Oh, really? Oh. I'm so sorry you had that experience. Because I yeah. had the opposite experience at a Presbyterian church in Rwanda where the music was like off the charts people were <laughs> dancing even my sweet presbyterians who i dragged from the united states there were like dancing they were so overwhelmed by just the joy and the celebration of that moment so not all presbyterians are frozen chosen but no but it was really funny to see it in another culture you know, <laughs> people, sure sta- it was. people standing but with their hands in their pockets mm-hmm. you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so so that's so that's one more, and so uh, so Chris knows me, so I probably I have a list of you know fifty things <laughs> that I would change. So I'm trying to keep it to like four. So this is my yeah. I promise this is my this is my last one, uh, and it just gets back to community. So 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 part of that sharing that I, I believe uh, Pastor Chris and you said was, you know, the, the community needs to be in contact with the community. So mm-hmm. so once you've had that foundation in in your household, quote unquote, you need to expand that and reach out you know so so we like to call it um uh, what do we call it at my my nice presbyterian church um where we go um where we have dinner at different houses um what, what was that what is, is that progressive dinner progressive dinner that's yeah. what it's called the progressive dinner so we we need to have this progressive worship right mm. I, you know set up in a way around a we could be around a meal or or just just in, in the community so so if you do that and this is the new church. If you do that, the the culture the culture of the community will, will it can't it has organically seep in. So the music, the, the 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 all those things that we've been talking about organically come into play when you include the greater community, and then you expand upon that community. So those communities can touch other communities. That's how you get that foundation of real community in church. I, I do think we've lost that. I, I really, really do. So so then when you so then when you, Alan, when you go visit another church, you know, we, we have set upon them this system of church that, you know, in some cases, and unfortunately in your case, has has a kind of oppressed the culture that you know exists there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only until we can get back to, to those fundamental things. You know, I always, you know, Chris and I have talked about this beloved community. Dr. King talked about this beloved community is a central focus of my justice ministries. Beloved community is where we want to get to, right? But you can't have that if you're not embracing all cultures, all things, you know, um, and and you can't do that unless you're a part of the culture. If you have experienced the culture, if you understand and value the culture, 
And we cannot do that siloed as we are today, as we're programmed to today from, from society. We cannot do that siloed. We must, we must find ways to be back into community. And I think just some of the ways I mentioned, there's a hundred others, but some of the ways I think I mentioned will help us get out of that framework of idolizing this, this individualism, this this sense of, of what I say and what I do is right and what you say and what you do is wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I, again, I could list a hundred more, but those are simply a few of the things that, that I think I would do if I blew up the church. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, I don't, so I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to do that. Um, we, we may just be able to do that in the next five to 10 years when we things are going, uh, <laughs> reshaping. But um, so I look forward to the challenge. I, I really, really do. Yeah. And it, you know, it gives me, it gives me great hope over the past couple of months, Alan and I have sat down with a number, half a dozen or so um, different pastors and talked about this. Mm-hmm. And it gives me hope that there are people who, who love the church so dearly that um, we're willing to look at the idolatry in the church and the misbehavior that's happening in, in many churches and just, and still love it enough to say we can do this. Um, it may, we may have to press through some ugly times. Uh, we may need to plant our gardens in exile for a while, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but we can get there. And so it's just, it's been a, it's been a joy for me. And I, I think that we're probably wrapping up this particular series um, and getting ready to present another question to some more folks. So um, if you happen to be listening and you are someone in, in ministry, um, be that church ministry or, or other type of ministry, and you want to have some conversations with us, we're going to be formulating another a question or set of questions soon to be talking with people about Um. But it's, it's just been a joy to connect with um, like-minded Christians and to have that reminder that um, we're not in this alone. None of us is a lone ranger. And, um, and, and that's part of the basis of community, right, is yeah. modeling community as, as pastors, uh, modeling community with one another. So Yeah, yeah. I, I want to thank both of you for just you know, just, just having a platform, an opportunity just, just to have these conversations, you know, it's, you know, life is busy for a number of individuals. And I think, you know, taking the time to making this an, an important part of your, of your faith journey and, and the faith journey of others is, is just another step, as you said, Pastor Carissa, and that's, you know, probably getting to a place where we need to be in the church. So I, I applaud both of you for, uh, for having this platform and just thank you for having me on. I, I really, really enjoy, as you can tell, I really, really enjoy this conversation and I look forward to many more. Well, Carissa, would you care to pray us out? That'd be great. Friends, let's pray. God, we thank you for time and space to reflect with one another about what it is that you are up to in the world around us. And we pray that you would um, continue to bring new life and creativity into the church, form it in the ways that um, you would have it formed. Help us to have the the strength and the, the creativity to move forward through weird times that the work that we do might truly honor you. 
We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.